Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey. Uh, my name is Rami Youssef, and I'm Muslim. Like, yeah, yeah, like, uh, like from the news. <laughs> Have you guys seen our show? Fox News or any of the news is really—they're all about us. I get—I get why people are afraid. I do, especially if you don't know a Muslim. Of course. I mean, even sometimes if I watch for too long, I'm like, whoa. Am I gonna do something? Like, they make it seem inevitable. I feel like no matter what I do, I'm just gonna turn 30 and get a Hogwarts letter from ISIS. Hello and welcome to The Last Laugh. My name's Matt Wilstein and I'm a senior writer at The Daily Beast. On today's show, one of my favorite stand-up comedians working right now, Rami Youssef. This Friday, April 19th, Hulu will start streaming his new 10-episode series, Rami. I've seen the whole thing, and I can tell you that it is really worth your time. It's not only very funny, but also has so much to say about what it's like to be a young Muslim living in America right now. Rami and I talked about how the show came together, the importance of Muslim representation in comedy, and so much more. I think you'll really enjoy this episode, so I won't waste any more time before getting into it. This is The Last Laugh with today's guest, Rami Youssef. Cool, man. Well, uh, you know, we're... We're just, you know, a few days away from the from the premiere now. How are, how are you feeling? Um, I'm excited, man. It takes, you know, so long to go from even thinking of the idea to then pitching and doing the, the whole process. It's just like years. And the fact that finally people are going to get to see it is really cool. It's, it's also kind of surreal because I do stand-up. So it's like stand-up, you, you do it, you have an idea in the morning, and then you go up and you get a reaction. With this, it's like the laugh comes two years later. <laughs> yeah. How long have you actually been... How long has this been in the works, uh, Rami, we should say, on uh, on Hulu? Uh, well, I mean, I think this incarnation of the show, the first document that I kind of put together for it was um, probably like November 2016. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's, it's a couple of years, but that's actually fast even for tv yeah and i know gerard carmichael your fellow stand-up is involved in yeah. some way so was he involved early on or, or how did that kind of happen yeah we were um that 2016 fall i was opening for gerard on the road oh nice he was prepping his hbo special and i had been acting i had acted when i first moved to la in the multicam on uh on nick at night it was like a, a family yeah. sitcom and um and so I had had multicam experience, and I love multicam, and he obviously does too. And so we had early on kind of daydreamed um, a block of like the Carmichaels and the Yusufs, and and we <laughs> kind of like do a back to back. But but then I started you know putting together what I wanted the show to be, and it became pretty clear like oh this isn't gonna work as a multicam. <laughs> this is we're gonna need you know. Um, a little bit more flexibility in tone. Yeah, I think his show is kind of a rare example of uh, multicam in this modern time that that really did work. And uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, that that's definitely hard to pull off. So once you started, um, you know, putting it together and, and deciding that it was not going to be a multicam, what did you what did you want it to be? What were the sort of the earliest like um, ideas of, of what this show what the show would look like? Well, I knew that. You know, there we kind of are a little bit in the era of like a of dramedies in a sense, mm-hmm. and and I know that I, I knew that I liked the idea of it being grounded, but I also didn't want to forget that it should be funny, right? right. And so it, it was, um, it was like, how do we create that vibe, but not forget the jokes and not shy away from the jokes? Like it's okay if something's just straight up funny. I think a lot of the more um, dramatically set 
you know, shows that come from comedians or that, you know, have that perspective or um, they, they really sometimes I don't, I don't I don't know what the reasoning is behind it but I'm always like oh, I wish there was just like one or two like straight up comedy scenes in here mm-hmm. and so I knew that tonally we wanted to play in that space and and then I knew that I wanted to make something that um reflected more of my experience like I, I wanted something that had a, a first generation kid who isn't trying to erase the culture and faith that he comes from, but is actually trying to synthesize it and have it be a big part of his life. And so that was really, you know, the voice uh, for the show that I knew worked in stand-up and, and I knew um, we needed to to have on TV. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting you say that because I've seen uh, all, I've been lucky enough to see all 10 episodes of the show um, and really, really loved it. Um, and uh, and it's it's hilarious and it's also really dramatic at points. But I think the thing that it's that's so different about it is that it is this um, depiction of what it's like to be, you know, Muslim this age in right now um, that that we haven't seen before. Um, so how important was was that to you in terms of of showing that on screen and, and having that representation uh, out in the world? Yeah, it was super important. I mean, like I. Um I wanted to, you know, make something that showed, you know, this is like an Arab Muslim family in New Jersey. So it's 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 pretty limited in terms of what it's showing, mm-hmm. you know, because there's not there's not really like a Muslim community. Right. I mean, there's so many different cultures. Right. and I mean, most Muslims in America are black, you know. And so it's like really this is a limited look um, at this kind of family, at this kind of guy. And it was really uh, important to me to show something that had some sincerity of somebody trying to um, adhere to their culture and their faith, because that's how I feel in my life. You know, um, there's what I believe and then there's what I actually do. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a space in between that. And, and, and what I actually do, I don't think is it's not like I think that's right. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's um, it, it was really one of the earliest conversations I had with Gerard, because, you know, Gerard and I were friends for years before we worked together. Um, we, we would just talk about, like, faith. And, you know, he's, you know, grew up Christian and, and believes in God. And, and I grew up Muslim and, and, and believe in God. And, and we were like, but, you know, there's never anything that shows the way we think about God where, you know, there's this guilt and there's this thing rattling in your head and 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 you want to do the right thing but we're also just like everyday people and and most depictions of anything religious are like the priest who does cocaine or like the you know the blown out version of heaven with angels and like a comedically long piece of paper with all the good deeds and yeah. bad deeds you've done and 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 these things that are like removed from reality and so it was like really exciting to be like okay what does it look like um the way we think about it every day what does it look like to just be someone like me and i'm just really overthinking this relationship and it's not just because of her it's because of what i believe and and where and where does that fit into the narrative um so it was that was a big goal for me i want to know who i am i want to explore you're like the kids in Egypt. They throw down the government. Big revolution. Then what? No plan. I don't know what I'm doing, man. I look at my parents and how strong they are and how they just know everything's going to be okay because they have God. And yeah, I have sex even though I'm not married. Break the door. So what? Is that, that means I'm not a good Muslim? I'm just, like, trying to be good. You jerk off too much. Does it, it's, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, having Gerard as someone else in the comedy community who believes in God, because I think we think that, or people think that almost comedians as a whole are this atheist uh, community. Um, it's a very, yeah. you know, non-religious community in a lot of ways. Um, is it Has it been hard for, for you to... To be a to be religious and a comedian at the same time. Yeah, I mean, church is a punchline. Like yeah. you could put that at the end of a joke. And it's like then I took her to church. Like <laughs> like that sounds like a joke, you yeah. know, from somebody. And and I get that. And and I, you know, religion uh, as a you know force and as a industry and as a you know presence um, 
has done a very bad job. You know, I, I think that the, um, the, the communities around pretty much all of the major religions have done a good job of fucking it up. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, I don't blame people for the way that they feel. And I don't think that, um, you know, it's all executed properly. I don't think, but I also don't think it's all understood properly. And so um, for me, um, it, so much of what was, you know, exciting to figure out on stage was I would say I believe in God and, and it's not like it would be hard but it would be weird like mm-hmm. like to just be like no I genuinely do and and, <laughs> and you just and it's like you're at a bar in Brooklyn and everyone's like well why why are you here you know like yeah. like there's like this this odd um you know thing that happens I mean I remember like just being on lineups where people are talking about the craziest shit man like oh, I took acid I did this I did that and it's hilarious and then I'm like yeah I'm fasting for Ramadan and you know because I want to and <laughs> not because my parents made me and 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 it's just kind of like oh okay <laughs> like like that's yeah. you know awkward it's like some is like is this punk rock it's very um you know it so so it I wouldn't say it was hard other than you know um more it was just different and and ta- trying to talk about it in a way that um, can hopefully just bring a little bit of levity to it and understanding to it. But but I'm also not like, you know, in the business of being like, you know, believe this or we, it's not even so much dissecting the religion. It's, it's really, it's dissecting my own intentions within it. And so I think if, if something's self-reflective, the umbrella it's under is just the first layer. So so you don't even okay, fine, you're not Muslim. It doesn't really matter. You know, it's it's just like, are you somebody who thinks about what you're doing and if that's right or wrong? Are you somebody that wants to be somewhere that you're not? Are you somebody that is trying to figure out, you know, the best way to go about being a person? And and that stuff sounds vague, but it becomes really specific once we put it under this umbrella. Um, yeah. and, and that's, you know, my approach. Yeah, I mean and those are all the things that your character, Rami, is is dealing with in this show and i think the question with a lot of these there's been a lot of shows where comedians play themselves from you know seinfeld to louis to gerard and all these people um is the question is how how close is that character to you yeah um so i mean how 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 did you kind of deal with that i mean this character you know doesn't drink is struggling with whether to have premarital sex um you know all these kinds of things is that how does that really mirror your life and how much of yourself did you want to were you like was that scary to put that on on screen in that way it's definitely scary i mean it's it's interesting like the um the reality is you know for me i am a creative person you know i've been in the comedic world or in the world of making things and using you know making things to express my feelings. I've been doing that for like 10 years, maybe a little more. Um, So that's always been the way I process things. So I think Mm -hmm. because of that, I've been able to be more in touch with my feelings and kind of have solutions and, and, um, and understand what's going on with me. But I wanted to create a character that could have been my life if I didn't have the ability to pursue those things. And so what would it look like if you didn't have that outlet? I think I think I would be a little bit more uh, stuck. Mm -hmm. And so this show and the character in the show, I think all the emotions are really true. They're all things that I felt and they're all things that um, I've been through on a level. But we take them to a place that my real life wouldn't have really allowed because I kind of knew how to deal with it and I have a family that's really communicative and I have a you know a really strong support system in my family and and we you know can pretty much there's very little that I feel like I couldn't tell my parents if I had to mm-hmm. um, but I wanted to put this character in a place that was just a little less developed and a little less open um, that I a place that I know a lot of people are at and so that was the choice in not making him a comedian that's the choice in kind of um having him be a you know this stuck place a little bit more and and that being kind of a more fun place to grow out of i noticed uh at least one review uh comparing uh the show to like as if it's a, a muslim version of a muslim male version of lena dunham's girls <laughs> oh really and uh, i'm curious what you what you think of that as a as a as a comparison oh that's really funny um 
I I watched. I think I watched the first season of Girls. I thought it was really good. So that I I didn't I didn't keep watching, but mm-hmm. I, I not because I didn't like. I just you know there's so much stuff. But I um oh that's cool. I mean I think I think what um maybe that comes from you know I remember watching that pilot. I think it's a really good pilot. Yeah, it's a really good pilot. And I think it was it was like oh man, you're watching people have conversations that you kind of knew they were having, but now you're getting the real details of them. And I do feel like our show um, can do that. I mean, a barometer that I've always had is like, okay, so we're in Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there's this want for diversity. And let's say you've been banging around Hollywood for like, uh, you know, 10, 15 years. You are a, you know really good white dude writer and and at this point you were kind of like you know what there should be a show about muslims or there should be a show about mexicans and you're a smart writer so you could probably write a show that is your idea of what you think a mexican family talks about or a muslim family talks about it'll be structurally sound it could be funny it uses human dynamics that like everybody uses so i would put my show always through that filter which Mm -hmm. is like could that guy in Sherman Oaks, mm. write this scene, like with what he kind of knows from the outside. Yeah, like, could yeah. a really good writer like write this scene in my show? And if he could, then we don't need it. Like, I can only write things that only somebody who's me could write, or only someone from my community could write. Can you think of an example from the from the series where you where you said, "Oh, n- only I could write this"? Yeah, I mean, we have a whole scene a uh, scene about foot washing at the mosque. You know, like, and, and the, the, the intricacies of, of doing that, mm-hmm. you know, we have a, 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 a lot of, you know, what I think are um, really amazing moments between, you know, in, in even we have an episode with my sister where, like, we really get into the guilt of being, you know, a Muslim woman um, and the, the pressure that's put on you. And, and there's a lot of specifics in there. And there's a lot of specifics in our Ramadan episode. You're really going to be one of those Ramadan Muslims, okay? You can't be jerking off all year, then all of a sudden turn into Malcolm X. Thank you, Rana. Habib, Here you go. Sahatan. Enjoy that. How long ago Look, it's all about intention. You place your order before sunup. You're fine. Islamideke. Oh, here you go, all right? By the way, all that app shit, most of it is garbage. How do you think they did it? Back in the time of the Prophet. Look at that, that's how they did it. That's real Muslim right there. That's old school. Walk out, sun's up. Hey, guess what guys, don't eat. Sun's down, eat. It's very simple. You don't have to complicate things, right? He knows what I'm saying. Is it time? Too much light pollution. Can't tell if it's the sun or that new target that opened up on 17. That shit glows, man. So I stopped eating an hour ago just to be safe. Like I think an outsider Ramadan episode would be, you know, Oh man, I'm hungry. This isn't really about that. This mm-hmm. is about a whole other type of hunger and a whole other type of struggle and really pushing the show to those places where it, it just feels, I want it to feel as um, as tailored to my actual you know thought process as possible. And I think that's what's amazing about a show like Girls, which is like, oh no, only these girls could have written that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's what was so cool about it. It's like, oh yeah, no one could have fucking guessed this conversation. You know, like maybe we had an idea, but like, wow, it's so cool to see the details. Yeah, and, and, and that show specifically, you know, got some criticism for being, you know, too white, not diverse enough. Mm-hmm. And what I always thought about that was, you know, they were reflecting a reality of those girls in Brooklyn, you know, having this very, you know, white life. Yeah. So for them to, like, falsely fill the show with diverse actors may have may have taken away from the realism of it in some ways. Absolutely. I mean, I think, like, you know, I, I think it, there was almost something about that critique that, you know... Um, even would push me to like name my show Rami. Like I don't like I don't want I, I didn't run to be like oh I want to name it after myself. Mm-hmm. But it was also like I, this I can't call this Muslims, right? You know because it's not it, yeah. again this is Arab 
Muslims in North Jersey and maybe only one type of family in that yeah. place, you know? And and so I think the criticism of something like that is more so just the umbrella where it's like maybe that show should have been called Gentrified Williamsburg. Yeah. And then then, then it would have been like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, not trying to be so universal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, so uh, so going back to that, you know, your specific story, um, you know, can you can you talk a little bit about where you grew up, um, you know, what your what your childhood was, was like? Yeah, I grew up... Um, I grew up in New Jersey. I was, I was born in New York, but we moved to Jersey um, early. I was in like first grade, and um, you know, I I love New Jersey. It's, it's it's a really it's a really amazing place. I mean, we um, I, our town was pretty diverse. I mean, we were I think we were one of very few Arabs. Um, there was like one other family, maybe two other families, um, but I, I still felt like this bond with like Italians mm-hmm. I was like, Oh yeah, we're this like, you know, we're the same, you know, but, but then the, the big difference to growing up is like this, uh, lack of Christmas is horrifying, you mm-hmm. know, as a Muslim kid. And, 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 and my best friend growing up was Jewish because I really think because we both didn't do Christmas, it was just kind of like, yeah. dude, we're in this together. Like we're <laughs> in this shit together. Um, and, and I, but I really, I loved growing up there and, and it was, um, you know, both my parents are from Egypt, but they met in New York, mm-hmm. which is like very representative of my family, which yeah. is like, we are people who will take a risk to go across the world. But also once we get there, we need the most familiar thing possible. <laughs> so there's this this half like massive risk bravery and then the other half like, but let's make sure it's like, you know, what we know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and when did uh, comedy come into your life? I mean, what, what were you, did, did you love comedy growing up? Did you have people that you particularly uh, loved? I didn't know a ton about comedy uh, other than my uncle showed me Carlin really early. Mm-hmm. I was probably like nine or 10 and I was listening to Carlin rant and I thought it was so funny because my uncle speaks in probably like a very similar uh, comedic voice to George Carlin like he can just go on a rant on something Mm -hmm. and like and it's funny like he's like the funniest person I know like him my dad my other uncle in a room is like way funnier than any comedian's green room I've ever been in like yeah. it's, it's it's really um, it's, it's just they're just so funny and um, that was probably the main exposure I had to comedy and then I didn't really start listening to stand up or consuming it until I was probably like 17 or 18 outside of that mm-hmm. you know there was a couple Carlin albums I like listened to but I really started looking at it you know I think around like middle school, I, I like bought a camera. I was like really into making things, and I'd kind of go around town and like shoot. I remember I used to like follow the mailman and like narrate like <laughs> that he was doing crazy shit, and and I'd like make these little movies on Windows Movie Maker. And then yeah. uh, in high school, I was um, you know really lucky to have this like amazing TV program, and and learned how to edit and do all this stuff. So I knew I like wanted to make stuff. And then once I could drive, I used to sneak from Jersey and go to UCB Chelsea in New York and see stand-up. And I remember, like, you know, I was, like, 17 when I started going, and I would just see these amazing comics. It it was... I would go to Whiplash. There was this show that they did Monday Mm -hmm. nights in New York at 11. And, uh, you know, my parents would be asleep, or if they were awake, I'd be like, no, I'm just going to my friend Muhammad's house. And and then I'd go go into the city and, and just... See, it was it was cool. There was like a bunch of bunch of comics that like I really liked. Like I was saw it was like Leo Allen and Sean Patton and Aziz, and um, and it was just really amazing seeing these people. And then like two years later, you'd see them on TV, and yeah. and it was it was kind of amazing, you know. And so, and once you started doing it, I mean, it sounds like you, it was kind of a, the fact that you were going to see comedy may have been a little bit of a secret to your parents what about yeah. when you started actually uh doing it yourself they knew i was like making stuff you know so they knew i was really interested in it they were always really supportive it, it was always like oh my god yeah go do it but also like what are you really gonna do mm-hmm. like that that's all it was. It, yeah. was it was not don't do it it was oh man that's great it sucks that you're gonna have to stop and like <laughs> make money you know so that yeah. that was always the the attitude like do it as long as you can um but you have to figure out what you're going to do. And so I, I went to school for political science and economics. Um, but I, yeah, I was just not a good student. Like it was not going to happen. <laughs> I yeah. was, it, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hold up very long. 
So at some point they must have realized that you were actually going to go into comedy full time. Yeah, well, you know, I I dropped out of school. I mean, I said I was taking a semester off, mm-hmm. and my dad was like, "You know, you're not." He, he not that he was stopping me, but he was like, "If you do, you won't go back. Nobody takes a semester yeah. off." That was his thing. Yeah, and I was like, "No, no, no. It's just a semester." Because at the time I was taking like an acting program in New York. I was like mm-hmm. doing both. I was like going to Rutgers in Newark and then I go to this acting program in New York and I was like, let me just finish the acting program and then I'll go back and I'll, you know, get the, the poli sci degree. And um, it was like not taken well, but my dad was like, okay, he really has always let me make my own choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I drop out and then like three weeks later, I booked a pilot because I had been like auditioning a bit. Yeah. And so I booked a pilot in New York and then I shot it in LA and then it got picked up and two months later, I just moved to L.A. So I, I moved to L.A. when I would have been taking finals yeah. if I stayed in school. And, and it was, um, it was, yeah, it, it was just like this crazy fate thing where, where it was, um, it, it was the only thing that would have got me out here as early as it did. Because mm-hmm. I don't know what I would have done, you know. And so yeah. it, was, it was really, really cool. And uh, and has your family seen the the show? And what do they think of it? Or, or if they haven't, are you are you nervous for them to see it? Yeah, well, you know, I'm shooting um, I'm shooting my stand up special. Oh, yeah. um, this Sunday, and so I'm I'm gonna show them the show after I shoot the special because mm-hmm. I I think that they. Um, We'll probably have a lot to say. It, it's like I haven't read any of the reviews of my show because yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for the review for my parents. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one mm-hmm. that I'm like, I wonder what what they are gonna think. Um, and you know, I I just didn't want to show them anything because I really I care about what they think, and so I didn't want to be influenced by how they reacted. Even their silence would have been like, oh fuck. Yeah. Like I don't want I don't want to make them uncomfortable. I don't want them to. You know, because the show takes a lot of swings. Mm-hmm. And even for them, I didn't want to put them in a situation where, like, they have to feel the anxiety of, like, what are people going to think, you know? Yeah. Like, I didn't want them to live in the um, the purgatory of pre-TV show coming out, you know? Because mm-hmm. they'd, they'd have to just be like, oh, man, what are people... Like, like the, the, the anxiety that comes with it, they would have felt it for me because they care about me. Yeah. And so... Um, waiting until now is kind of like the best uh, plan. And will you watch it with them or will you just give it to them to to watch on their own? Oh, I will give it to them and yeah, as I'm getting on a flight somewhere, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure I don't even have phone reception. Yeah, ideally. Coming up after the break, Rami Youssef talks about the episode of his new show that combines masturbation with 9-11. One episode that I think is likely to get some attention is the uh, I believe it's episode four, which is the the flashback um, to on and around September 11th, 2001, and your character as a as a young adolescent, and it kind of combines uh, 9/11 with your character um, discovering masturbation. Yeah. Um, so, can you talk about uh, where where that idea for that episode came from, and and you know, obviously without spoiling anything. Um, you know what? Why you why you wanted to tell that specific story? Yeah, you know it. Um, that I think it was like two years ago or something. I was on stage. The Laugh Factory has these like midnight shows, and sometimes it's like the best show you've ever been on. It's like a concert, and people mm-hmm. are up, and then sometimes it is the quietest thing ever. <laughs> and I really love the quiet nights there, and yeah. and and it. And I was on stage and I was just talking about that time and, and it kind of connected to me that, man, like 9-11 and me jerking off for the first time happened in like the same year. <laughs> you know, like it was like, I don't know, I was in fifth grade and then like in sixth grade, I'm like, you're like discovering yourself and you're like, you want a girlfriend all of a sudden. And wow, all these things happen at the same time. And, you know, being in Jersey so close to it. And I mean, I one of my first stand up bits was like, you know, the, the name of the first World Trade Center bomber is Ramzi Youssef. You know, the, everyone thought we were related, including mm-hmm. me. Like, like that's, <laughs> that's the fear. That was, like, the root fear. And so um, I was just thinking a lot about that time. And, and I think that when these things happen, we don't really talk about how it affects kids. Um, and 
this show in 10 episodes, the only time we talk about terrorism is in that episode because mm-hmm. uh, I was really only interested in exploring it from the vantage point of a kid. Um, and I kind of was like, well, okay, cool. What if we looked at those themes? And um, a big part of this show is just trying to say, hey, we're humans because I think a lot of people only know us defined by our headlines. And so what is the most human thing that could be happening um, under, you know, one of the most devastating headlines? Mm-hmm. And, and what would it look like if um, those things happened at the same time? And, and so that was the seed of it, you know, of the idea. And, um, and then it, it, it um, you know, incorporates a lot of surreal elements and stuff that um, I had been wanting to do for a while. And, and so, yeah, that episode is like really, you know, personal to me, obviously. And it's the, it's the one, you know, I'm not in it. Yeah. And so I got to direct it, which was great. Yeah. And um, it was, yeah, it was really, uh, it was really fun to, to get to play there. And, and in terms of your own experience, you know, being a fifth, sixth grader when all that was happening and being in New Jersey, I mean, what was, what was that like for you? Is it, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's reflected somewhat in this episode, but mm-hmm. just from, from your own personal uh, perspective, um, you know, what, what was that like? Um, I think it's just like a lot of anxiety. It's a lot of, um, again, it's, it's weird to be afraid of yourself. And where you come from. And I think ultimately it did this thing where it probably started um, the nature of my introspective uh, feelings towards myself. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I I, always, like my favorite part about comedy is that me interrogating myself. And if I think back, truly, I was probably in fifth grade kind of interrogating myself and interrogating my family and being like, you know, people are saying this is because of us. Is that true? You know, and, and that's just a very kid thing to think. You know, as an adult, you can rationalize it. As a child, you just, you already don't fit in. You know, like you're already, you know, there's already all these things going on. And so at the time, you know, it's 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 like now you, you sit with a therapist and you're like, oh man, I was really anxious last month. I didn't think I was, but I was. And it's the same thing. At the time, you don't realize how much you're internalizing. So I don't think like I would, have characterized my time as, as a kid then as like horrifying or, you know, really depressing. I mean, I think I was, I probably felt like I was as scared as anyone else. Um, but you know, you step a couple of years forward and you look back and you're kind of like, Oh, that was, that was pretty intense. You know, there were, there were a lot of emotions going on there and, you know, just the, um, the way that I viewed the world. And at the time, I think I was just like really worried yeah. and really, you know, and really cared a lot. Um, but you've been able to take some of those experiences, whether it's that or, um, you know, the. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Trump's Muslim ban and, and really make... Uh, comedy out of it in a way that you don't see too often, at least you know from Muslim comics. Um, so, how did you how did you kind of start to go about saying this is this is part of what I want my my comedy to be about? It comes from like not wanting to be afraid. So it's like I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to feel afraid. I don't want to feel anxious. I also don't want to make fun of what's happening. Mm-hmm. But there's something here, you know. There's yeah. something to this thing that is terrible that. Um, and I think what I look at a lot too is my privilege within those situations, right? Because even for me, I'm not somebody who a lot of my experience of being someone who's Muslim is I'm not visibly Muslim. You know, I think mm-hmm. people look at me and I could be hipster from ex hipster town. Like it doesn't yeah. really, you know, I don't present 
um, it's 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 like a second layer thing, and so I'm aware of that, and in it, because of that, I I'm not going to um, talk about being profiled or stereotyped or any of those things. Right. I'm more interested in what profiling and stereotyping do I do? What are my hypocrisies? How am I experiencing this thing? Um, and so if if I could be an anchor point of, of just human emotion around these things, then we can maybe even bring, you know, just a little bit of light to um, the humanity of the people who go through um, the other side of these things and, and aren't really talked about. I mean, in terms of the stereotyping, though, I'm curious if that came up at all when you were starting out as an actor, um, because, you know, I think we've all heard a lot of stories about what it's like to be, you know, a young uh, Arab, yeah. or, you know, actor with an Arab name um, and the kind of parts that you get they offered. Would, they would bring me in for all those and they'd be so disappointed. They'd just be like, <laughs> why does this guy look Jewish? Like, they would be like, what's going, what's happening? Like, they, they, they would be, and I would be upset and I'd go home and be like, oh, man, they didn't. I wasn't terroristy enough <laughs> to be the terrorist. It wasn't even like I had some integrity of not yeah. wanting to do it. I was like, I just I couldn't. They wouldn't cast me. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't your lane. <laughs> um, so I, I want to talk uh, about your stand-up as well um, because I got to see you run your hour uh, at UCB a couple weeks ago. Um, oh, you were there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, cool. Um, and it was it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and so you so that was sort of part of your preparation for this new special um, yeah. that you're taping on HBO. I mean that that's that's a lot. That's a big deal. <laughs> I'm excited, man. Yeah, it's gonna be really fun. I mean, so much of the backbone of the show is stand up. And I guess having seen the show and seen the hour, you can see the overlap. It's not a ton because I, I kind of am like trying to a lot of I burned a lot of stand-up material in the show and mm-hmm. so i tried to you know write new stuff for the hour um i just lo- stand-up is my favorite thing like it, it making this sh- again like i said making the show is the laugh two years later yeah. i love like being in the room and you know just really feeling it out and um and so yeah getting to and and to getting to do it at a place that it, like hbo is so yeah awesome like i'm so excited to do it there um it yeah, I feel really lucky with, like, the two partners that I've been able to do stuff with. Like, Hulu is, like, kind of a dream. You know, we we were really close to doing it with FX, but there was something about doing it with Hulu that was, like, you know, and I love FX. I would love to go do something with them, too. But, you know, it was it was just at the time I was like, oh, this is cool. They don't, like, they, they really want to do this. You know, like, I, mm-hmm. they, they just, like, want new comedy. Um, you know, and FX, like, has Atlanta, has Louie, and... To be mm-hmm. part of that would be like would have been so cool, um, but then you get to go somewhere that like doesn't, and they're really excited, and um, and and they just yeah, there's just like a different level of like energy and championing behind it, and so I just feel really lucky to be there. And then HBO is like dope, man. There's like they're doing five specials this year. It's like in the sea of That's comedy, yeah. you know. It's kind of um, it's kind of fun to just you know um, be there and and just. Yeah, it's it's. I'm I'm really um yeah I'm really excited about it. So what have you? How the the preparations been going? You've been running the hour a lot, and what how are how are the audience has been, and just what what's that experience been like? Yeah, it's been really it's been really. I was just in um in Spokane this mm-hmm. weekend, Spokane, Washington. I had a really good time. I mean, we did I did three shows there, and one of them in particular was just so interesting because it was like. I didn't. I was in Seattle, so I ran it in Seattle. Seattle was amazing. Crowd was like New York. You yeah, know? it's like a New York, LA crowd. Spokane is like more Idaho yeah. than anything. I mean, it's like right on the border there, and it um, the reactions from the crowd to a lot of my material were so different than a New York, LA thing, and and so it turned into this like argumentative kind of thing um i mean people were like actively booing but then like between active boos and like big like laughs so there'd be like a big laugh and then like a minute later it's like boo like actually boo um and i i really liked it though because it i have fun like kind of dropping the material and just kind of getting into it and yeah and figuring out and i've actually built a lot of bits from having a show where i tanked like, it was just, like, I bombed, mm. but later that night, I was like, oh, man, the beginning of that conversation with that woman, when I, like, abandoned the material, that's, like, the bit I want to do now. And and is the booing 
more about them just disagreeing with with what you're saying or what do you think the yeah i think so i think i actually think that they liked me they just didn't like what i was saying it was really funny because <laughs> i was like talking to one of the people afterwards in there and she was like she's like you seem sweet but that was some bullshit you know like that kind of <laughs> thing and like she like wasn't into what i was talking about and um i like that stuff though i mean like i i i like I, f- I feel like at a comedy club, it's one of the few places where you, people aren't on their phones and you can kind of have a conversation that you wouldn't have somewhere else. And, and it, it's really fun. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to burn the, uh, the joke or, or make you tell it here, but there is, there's a joke that you tell about nine eleven as well in your, in your hour that yeah. uh, I think I could imagine gets uh, some, some interesting reactions around, around the world, but it seems like you embrace the, the awkwardness as well. I mean, that's something you, I think you have in common with Gerard Carmichael. I mean, in terms of liking the quiet rooms or liking right. the, uh, in, like embracing that kind of, that uncomfortableness as well. Do you, do you think that's true? Well, that's, I think that's how we both became friends is that we both like talking to people. So it's like the comedy part of it is, is the part that comes after liking to talk to people. So, it, it's it's of course I want it to be funny and like that's my job, but there is this real love for like just getting to be in conversation, and so I lead with the point of um, you know how I'm feeling. So this way, even if it doesn't land, it's like well at least you know you know how I feel about something, you know mm-hmm. uh, you know and and but the punchline's there, you know it's like it's coming and 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 I work really you know I I love finding that, um, but that's something that we both really connect on, which is it's okay, it's all right, it's fine. Like if it <laughs> if it sits a little oddly, um, and uh, there is something even really more fun about that, and 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 that's something that I think hits over to the show too. I mean, I think that um, somebody was talking about the show and online someone said something and they were like, oh man, the show, someone had seen some episodes and, and they were like, I don't, they seem to like not really be into it a little bit, but they were like, they're like, oh, it made me just feel uneasy. And, and, and I was like, yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, I like, that's kind of, that's great. Like I'm not, yeah. it's the point isn't to like make something that, you know, brings a resolution or provides an answer. I think like going to comedy for answers is really dangerous. Like I um I think about this all the time with like like John Stewart in the Daily Show. Yeah. Loved him. Like I I, I would watch him in high school and, co- and I was like, oh man, this dude is like sticking up for Muslims and and he's like he's telling the truth and and then it became this thing where people were like, I don't get my news from the news. I get it from John Stewart right, in right. The Daily Show, which is, you know, really beautiful for what he did. It also fucks up comedy because it makes yeah. it this thing where it's like there's this expectation to go to comedy for your truths and for your justice. Mm-hmm. And that's not the point. That's that's not what this is about. It's not the whole point of comedy is that it's not correct. And you see a lot of comedians like rallying against political correctness. Yeah. There's nuances to that conversation. A lot of times it's someone just wanting to say the N-word for no real reason. Right. Or a lot of times it's someone just like being lazy about not writing a joke. But the true part to it is, is that it shouldn't, comedy shouldn't be correct. It should just be emotionally correct. So it shouldn't be like factually correct. It shouldn't be like maybe correct in how you treat someone or this or that. But like it should be about real feelings and real emotions. And the subconscious and so that i think is the only job that it should set out to do and if that leaves you with an uneasy feeling that's good and i i like that yeah i mean and and for something to be funny in a way it has to be a little bit unexpected so if you're just seeing somebody say what you already agree with or what you you yeah. know what you think then that's not gonna that's not necessarily gonna be funny right but i do believe that you know comedy has been put in this place where that is what people think it is. I think people go out to a show to hear, like, you know, a collection of their own Facebook comments said by somebody <laughs> into a mic. Like, they yeah. want to just hear you shit on Trump. They want to just hear you, you know, say that this is what the world should look like. And and, and maybe you give it a little bit of a punch, you know, mm-hmm. but, like, like it, it it's tricky. And that's why I really appreciate going to Spokane and being – on the border where a bunch of people voted for Trump, it's not even, like, even just in terms of a comedy show, like, 
it was fucking fun and and it, like even though they didn't like what i was saying <laughs> like it was the, it, it got rough and all of that and it was cool sometimes you're in la and if you are not saying the most like on point thing and using the correct like like people will just like lose their shit in a way that is uh is worse than the booze in Spokane. Because the booze in Spokane were kind of like, hey, man, fuck you. The booze mm-hmm. in L.A. are like a silent, I am so much better than you. Yeah. And a silent, yeah. like, you are inferior <laughs> and ignorant and you deserve to be canceled and you shouldn't have a career and, like, all this shit. The people in Spokane just boo you and they'll either hang out and drink more or they'll leave. And, yeah. and so, um, yeah, the, <laughs> there's just differences in, in how that plays out. Coming up... Rami Youssef on his family's unlikely relationship with Donald Trump. So one other thing I learned from your stand-up is that your dad actually worked for Trump uh, at, at somewhere in the in the <laughs> 90s. Or, or yeah. so, uh, what what's that all about? Yeah, my dad worked at one of his hotels. Yeah, yeah, and um, so it was really interesting because it's like we, you know. My dad knew him. My dad knew his family. And and so he, he kind of saw the way that he did business and and um and it and it's funny because I, I think I think my dad enjoyed working for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think I don't know that my dad saw all of the things that um you know we now see. I think that people are good at hiding parts of themselves or I don't know that Trump ever tried to hide it. I mean I think Trump publicly has always been a certain way. Yeah. But the interesting thing that I really understood from my dad was kind of like yeah the dude would come in he kind of bust balls and whatever and this and that and but like you know and we all got vacation and we all got like you know this and that and pay, and my dad you know um he started working at that hotel like very shortly after he got his citizenship and so it's less even about how trump um acted at that time or whatever that relationship was to me the interesting thing is just like i know for a fact that this guy's life is possible because of people like my dad. Mm-hmm. That immigrants are the backbone of his businesses. Um, and though we don't know how much those businesses actually make, they are a big part of you know how he's gotten to where he's at. And so it, it's not even about, is he a nice guy? Is he a this? Is he a that? It's the, the people that he is trying to completely exclude from the conversation and dehumanize are the ones that have provided him with even the smallest shreds of legitimacy that he has. Mm-hmm. And so just that that fact has always been, um, you know, as he's ascended the way that he has, um, it's just baffling to me yeah. <laughs> just because I know it. Yeah. Uh, h- how has that experience either, um, you know, colored either your, your um, or your dad's, uh, you know, thoughts about Trump now that he's president? I mean, my dad was just like really disappointed. I mean, I remember he was just kind of like, oh, Donald. He was just like, <laughs> he's like, this is awful, you know, and, and obviously he never supported him when he was running or anything like that. I mean, I think the second he started running, he was just kind of like, oh man, what's going on here? Yeah. Because I think my dad sometimes would be like, I think he's a better guy than this. Why is he doing this? You know, like, <laughs> like he, like he, he just like didn't want to believe it. Yeah. And for me, it just complicated it, you know, and, and I don't, um, I like very much, you know, think his presidency is really dangerous. Um, I think he continues to make that clear. I think even his supporters um, are, you know, very confused. You know, I mean, even when I was in Spokane the other night, I was like, are you guys like on board with all this? Like for real, for real? <laughs> and the dude was just like, hey man, you know, it's, uh, pros and cons. Like like that. that's yeah. like kind of where he, you know, they know, you know, there isn't this like, I don't think there's as much blind love as, as we think there is. I know there's factions or whatever, but it's it's just, it's super dangerous. And, but I think knowing that fact probably as I first started to talk about him, it just complicated it in a way for mm-hmm. me. And, and that's kind of what I, not complicated in the clarity of what was going on with him, but almost like I wanted my approach to be complicated in how I talked about him because I think just the straight up attack on him is, um, it's just boring yeah. on a certain level. Um, and I found, you know, I'm like I, I do this bit, about him um that 
I even in a place like Spokane where like they were so for him, people were laughing and people were like, yeah, that's true. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like there's, 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 I think there's a way to talk about it. And, and so, um, it, uh, but yeah, it, it's just knowing really just that, that fact of like, man, dude, like I, my dad worked for you and like <laughs> did like so much, like so much for that family. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, in the show, we uh, we see some of your relatives uh, in support of the Muslim ban, which is which y- your character doesn't quite understand. Is that based on uh, is that based on real conversations you've had with people? It um yeah, you know the family in the show is pretty you know I, I the good thing is I think when my family watches the show they'll be like oh this isn't our family right. I mean it's 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 very much you know an amalgamation of. A lot of people in the community but um when i went to cairo around the elections i was baffled by how many people were like no he's a strong man you know like he'll and and it's and it's because we're you know we're our countries a lot of the ones that you know we come from or you know have had dictatorships and so maybe we're just used to the vibe yeah. <laughs> where it's kind of like oh yeah this is this is what we're familiar with this feeling you know um and and i think a lot of it comes with that i think that there's an element of like people not understanding you know a woman being present whatever it might have been um but there were a couple conversations i had where i was like fuck people really feel like this huh and um and you know it happens all over i mean it's like it's it's happening all over the world right i mean Israel just reelected Netanyahu. Like it's like how you know it's 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 just it's a thing that's happening. And so um, yeah, that is I think the only conversation we have about Trump in the show mm-hmm. <laughs> is um, some family <laughs> members in Cairo who uh, call him a strong man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, I think whenever there's a you know a show that hasn't even come out yet, it's hard to talk about you know what comes next, um, but. I'm curious, you know, since you said you you made the character of Rami a little stuck, a little, you know, sort of what had happened if you hadn't gotten to where you are now. If you do get a chance to make more of this show, um, where do you see the the character moving and evolving? And do you think, you know, can you imagine him uh, getting into comedy and sort of trying to tell that story? Or, or have you thought about that at all? Um yeah, I thought about it. Comedy will never be a part of the show. Hmm. Um, I we would joke actually that in the alternate universe of the Rami uh, show, there is no such thing as stand-up comedy. <laughs> it's not even a form of. Uh, <laughs> um, I, it's something I'm not interested in exploring on screen. I, yeah. I I think part of what we're trying to do is um, you know be as universal as possible um, while being really specific and. The way to do that is, like, obviously focusing on the human condition. But I don't think anybody gives a fuck about, like, oh, man, this open mic. You know, like, like, like I don't think there's any genuine tension. Like, I don't think people, you know, all over the world can be like, oh, I hope people like his joke. You know, like, it's (laughs) like it's it's, it's not, um, you know, it just doesn't feel. um, Yeah, it doesn't feel like something that that we would do here. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited to, like, step the character out of you know, where he's at, where he's, he lives at home and he's in his late twenties, you know? And so something as small as even just moving out will, and even if that sounds like a little cliche on its, on its, you know, face, um, there's a lot of spaces of what it looks like when you move out and separate yourself from a family like this one. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of consequences to that and it affects a lot of things. And, and I'm really excited to see a lot of the other characters grow and, and, you know, you've seen the show we really take time to focus on those other characters and step away from mine and and so there's a lot of things to to track and it's the idea of doing a second season would be so exciting because we're not laying groundwork anymore it's like it's all there and then now we're really like we can have fun you know you know who these people are and we can really um get into it yeah uh so before we wrap up uh what i like to do is kind of go through some of uh a few milestones in your career that we didn't get to talk about um, okay. and get some quick uh, just sort of first memory or story that comes to mind about that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first would be the first time you got on stage to do stand-up. Oh, yeah. Um, I was in New York, Eastville Comedy Club. It was, I think, Anna Dresden was a comedian. She had a show. And I had, like, written a couple things down. And 
maybe I had done a mic, but like this was like the kind of this is kind of the first show I remember. And I went on stage and I was so in my head that I forgot to take my backpack off. And I just I did stand up with a backpack on. And um and then I got off and then Sabrina Jalice went on and did like a three minute impression of me <laughs> doing everything in my life with a backpack on. Like she started like miming me fucking but with a backpack <laughs> on. Uh and it was really I was like horrified. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, that's also really funny. Um that was yeah, I don't remember what year that was. That must have been like that probably was like twenty 11 or something 2010 yeah. 2011 and then i um and then i probably like didn't do it for a couple months and then <laughs> <laughs> uh so you mentioned this but your your first uh, big tv role was on the sitcom uh see dad run yeah which uh, starred scott Bayo. yeah um this is probably before we knew he was a, a trump supporter yeah uh, so what was that experience like yeah, man, those were the days when I knew him as a Romney supporter, you know, uh, which yeah, is a, a yeah. much more, um, <laughs> I mean, those are the good old days. Yeah. Um, it was an amazing experience doing that show. It was, I just had like the best time. Um, everyone was like cast, crew, Scott, everyone was awesome. Just like really, really cool. And, and, um, and yeah, man, it's, I mean, it's shocking with, with, uh, with him. I wouldn't say shocking, but it's just the, the way, you know, sometimes people like publicly put on a really good face and privately are like pretty terrible. And he's someone where the things he does and says publicly, I can't even connect to the person that I know privately. Mm -hmm. He's someone who like was really, um, you know, just really good to me. And like, you know, i feel like I have a good relationship with him and um and he was someone who like advocated for me I mean he was the star of the show I was like a brand new person out of nowhere and there were times where he would be like can you give Rami better scene than this like, like truly like just like yeah you know um fought for I think I was like a recurring and he was like no he should be a series regular like stuff that like impacted my life you yeah. know and, and so um and at the same time you know the the stuff you know he says in a front-facing way and publicly and a lot of those things are um, couldn't be further than what I think and, and they're things that I think are dangerous and um, and those are, there lies the complications. <laughs> uh, so I, I think you had your, your TV stand-up debut on Colbert, is that right? Yes. Which is awesome and you can uh, go find that on YouTube uh, and watch it. Uh, so what was that? What was that experience like? Oh, it was amazing, man. I mean, it was it was a really cool thing. It was also this kind of interesting thing because the you know you prep your set and there's like a transcript of it, and then um, they look at it and they approve it. And at some point, I guess it was like the night before, I got a call and they were like, "Hey, so one of these jokes we're that we're not comfortable with, <laughs> you can't really say." And it's this joke where you know I talk about you know believing God and then. I say that um, everyone should submit to Islam. And so, it's like the, I mean, the way it plays out in the clip is, you know, it, it wor it's, it's a joke that I'd been doing and I knew it worked, but all they had at CBS was like the script and they were like, wait, he's saying what? He's doing what? <laughs> you got to pull it. And so they called me the night before. And also at this time too, this was like when Trump had called out Colbert. It was like Trump had this like sit yeah, down and yeah, he like yeah. went for Colbert and the show I was on was the day after. So they were like, like he literally, Trump was like, the FCC's got to look into Colbert. And then <laughs> I'm performing on Colbert and they're like, what the fuck is yeah. going on? And so I get this call and they're like, you got to pull it or you can't come tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, um, I'll pull it. Sure. Whatever. I didn't have any intention to do that, but I was yeah. like, let's talk in person. Like, yeah, I feel like yeah, if yeah. we can see each other. And so I got there and, you know, I'm talking to the producer and, you know, and, and he, he, you know, he's a valid concern. I mean, this, this sounds crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. this is like, you know, and I was yeah. like, Hey man, you know, I, I respect what you're saying, but like, I can't do this, you know, set. If I don't have, it's the closer of the set. I've been working on the set for a month, you yeah. know, like, and so he, um, he was like, so uncertain about it. And, and, and I was like, all right, how about this? Like we, um, if it doesn't go well, just don't air it. The show's not live. Yeah. And he was like, let's see what happens. Okay. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and, and so I know he did it. And then, and you know, and he came back and he was like, he was like, I love to be wrong. I just... I still think we're going to be okay. I really do. Because I believe in God. Like, like God, God. 
not yoga. But, and I know that's a weird thing to say. I get it. You know, religious culture can be crazy. I don't agree with all of it. I grew up in a town where I watched my gay friends struggle to come out to the religious community. And now I live in LA where I'm a religious person struggling to come out to the gay community <laughs> and tell them what I think. And they're just like, you believe in God? Dude, that's so gay. <laughs> I just, for me, God is hope that there's more to life than what's in front of us. You know, that even if things seem impossible, there's still a chance that it could be okay. And I'm not trying to be preachy. I'm really not. Like, all I'm trying to say is just, just submit to Islam because it's the truth. And that's the only way you'll be saved. Seriously, that's the only way. Trust me. But it was, it was so amazing to do it on that show. I love Colbert. I mean, I think he's like, I think he's the best and he's, he's just so awesome. And uh, I'm, I'm doing his show next week. Oh, awesome. So I'm really excited to like, actually be in conversation with him this time. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. That was like two, that was two years ago, like this week. Wow. You know, it, it was, yeah. Um, and then the last one that I wanted to hit was uh, appearing on Mr. Robot uh, with, uh, with your fellow Egyptian-American actor, Rami Malek. Yes. Uh, how did that kind of happen and, and what was that like? Oh man, it was so cool. I mean, I, I got the... I got the audition, you know, I, I was living in LA, but I got the audition while I was in New York and they were like, Hey, can you put yourself on tape? Cause they thought I was in LA, but I was like, no, no, I'm in New York. Like I want to go in. And, and, um, and so they hadn't been seeing anyone for that role yet. Um, but they like, were like, okay, cool. You can come since you're here. I'd only had the sides for like a couple of hours and I just went in and did it. And then I forgot about it. I was like, okay, cool. And then like a month later, they were like, hey, you got the thing. And I was like, <laughs> fuck, this is so cool. And 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 because it was a show that I really loved. And it was, honestly, it was very inspiring too because it's like, you know, Sam Ismail and Rami are both Egyptians, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and so um, it was cool to see them just killing it. I mean, Sam was such a cool director and um, Rami's obviously like amazing and like the dynamic that we got to play in the show was really fun, you know. Um, it was for a show that doesn't, you know, he, Sam's really good at employing comedy. It doesn't call itself a comedy but like he has these, every season he has like a character or like a thing that, mm -hmm. you know, brings that and so to get to do that for the season that I was on and be a part of that was uh, it was really cool. It was um and and I got to be in this one episode that they did. To, they shot it to look like a oneer, and so it, the the work that they did to yeah. nail that on a technical level was really cool. And I loved it too because it kind of was this like this rush of like stand up energy where you're like, oh shit, like okay, they've been coming around the corner yeah, for the last three don't minutes. Fuck it up. By the time, <laughs> do not fuck it up. By the time it comes, and and so sometimes like you're doing acting, and you're like, ah, oh, I can nail this, whatever. But yeah. this was, I was like, oh shit, I gotta yeah. get this down right, otherwise. All these people who don't know me are going to hate me and they're going to be like fucking bootleg Rami. We fucked up the shot. We only like our Rami. Um, and so I knew some shit was going to be talked. And so, no, it was it was really fun. And finally, uh, I like to end the show by asking, what's the last thing that made you laugh really hard? It could be a movie. It could be a TV show, stand up, something that just happened in your life. Uh, oh, first thing that comes to mind. You know, um, <laughs> I... I love memes. I love like <laughs> online shit actually. Like um and and there's this guy, um, Nathan Plywe. I, I don't know how to say his last name, but he does this um Instagram account called Strange Planet and it's like aliens doing really basic human things and and it's just it's so funny the way he like breaks stuff down and, and so I you know, a a really good friend of mine passed earlier this year, um my friend Kevin Barnett, who, who you know, I'm sure you, yeah, yeah. you know, know of, and and so we, our thing was like memes, like we like fucking loved memes, and so um, like we were constantly have like long, con like I remember having like a three hour conversation about why a meme 
was better than like the best stand-up bit. <laughs> you know, like we just went into it. Like it's because you get to see the visual and it's one statement. It's like it's the economy of a perfect joke, but you also get to see like the emotion in the eyes, but then you can just send it. And you know, I mean, it was just like this whole like thing. Um, and so I've been like dying, you know, just like cracking up looking at these things and thinking about him, but also like this, this account is like really, it's really amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone check that out. Yeah, check uh, it out. <laughs> all right, Rami, thank you so much for, uh, for coming out today. Oh man. Thanks for having me. This is really fun. Awesome. Thanks. Man. Thank you again to Rami Youssef for being my guest on today's show. Rami is streaming on Hulu starting this Friday, April 19th. You can check him out on Twitter and Instagram at Rami for info on where he's performing stand-up. If you enjoy this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith for Starburns Audio and Scott Porch for Himalaya Media. And this episode was engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazel. Our theme music is by Claude you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. I think we know the rest of the story. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you